Hello and welcome to the Free Life Community Church Podcast. My name is John DeLille, and I'm the communications guy at Free Life Community Church in Terre Haute, Indiana. Each week, Senior Pastor Dan Willis brings a rich, detailed, and relevant message grounded in Scripture, which is recorded on Sunday mornings and made available for you right here. You can find more messages at freelifecc.com or in the Google Play and iTunes podcast app. Hey, if you've benefited from listening to these messages, we ask that you try to help us out. You can help us out in two different ways. First, you can give us a rating in the app store that you use. Secondly, share this podcast with a family member, a friend, or a colleague. This really does help us to get these messages into the hands of the people who can really benefit from them. All right, without further ado, here's Senior Pastor Dan Willis. So, friends, you know, here, a couple of things hit my mind. Uh, you know, I, I, I completely believe in this idea of reset. And, and, it, and it's been a hard reset because what's happened is that, uh, you know, so, there's several different types of resets that we can do. And I talked with you about this uh, last week. Um, you know, if you have a computer uh, and you, if, if it's a Windows-based machine, Linux is a little different, but a Windows-based machine, uh, you can, if you can't fix it, if you, if it, if you're, uh, you get the blue, what we call the blue screen of death, I'm sure somebody's gotten that before. Uh, if you get that, uh, sometimes you have to go back into some tools uh, that you can, if you reset your computer a couple times, it'll go into a screen that allows you to, to do some troubleshooting. And there's a couple things you can do. You can restore the machine back to a date when it worked right, only if you set certain dates to do that, and you got to actually go in and do it. Uh, or you can just do what they call a reset, which erases everything uh, and puts Windows back on the way it's supposed to be. It gets rid of the registry problems that you might have. The problem with it is it doesn't always work exactly right, and sometimes uh, it will always wipe out uh, any programs you've saved on it but it's supposed to keep your files that you've created. And so if you put your, uh, those programs back on, then it'll pick up those apps or pick up those things that you've created. Uh, that, in theory, that's how it's supposed to work. <coughs> so there's a couple of different ways. Restoring it is a soft reset, um, and going back and doing a complete change is a hard reset. Phones are the same way. If you hold down you know, your volume button, both of them, and hit the on an off button, it's supposed to take you, if you have an Android phone, uh, iPhone, I have no clue what it does. But, but I know on an Android, you, and there's, way, there's millions more Android users, so more people do it. So basically, if you, and, and here's the reason why, because they're less money. <laughs> okay, so here's the thing. Uh, you hold it down, and it gets you into, into um, the, uh, the APK of, of what runs uh, Android. And Android, by the way, is Linux, in case you didn't know that. It's just a watered-down derivative. And so you can do a, a soft reset or a hard reset. Anybody have to do a hard reset on your phone before? Mm -hmm. you, you lose everything. It's like when you got it from out of the box, right? And you hate that, right? So that's why Google's this beautiful thing that your photos and everything automatically update to the cloud, and when you uh, log into your phone, it, it all comes back, right? In theory. So... There are different types of resets. You know what I think we do as Christians? I think we do soft resets. Things aren't doing too well, so we go back and do a soft reset, and we just try to, we just want to fix what we think is wrong. Amen. We just want to fix what we think is wrong. Problem with it is God might think there's more wrong than that. Okay? Turn with me to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. And here's another thing that happens. When we do the hard reset, which God has done in our church, 
Uh, he's done it. He's doing it with his church universal. Uh, he's doing it with the Christian community, I think. And brother, we need a hard reset. And the church better wake up because if you think for one second that uh, people are just going to all filter right back to the church and go right, they're not. They're not going to just come right back. Some will, some won't. Some like the idea of sitting in jammies with coffee and watching online. Because it's faster, it's quicker, they have to do less. It requires less of them. Problem with it is it's not biblical. Writer Hebrews says, don't stop getting together in fellowship like many have. Can't do it. Okay? So when we beat this COVID thing, and God will, okay? When we do, we need to be back in church, amen? amen. We need the fellowship of believers, yeah? If you go on an Emmaus walk, and most of us here have, uh, it's, it's not a clergy talk. It is a, 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 a layperson talk. It's called the fellowship of all believers. And so you, you have to understand that you, that you have to do this. And so it's important that we do it because we know that people won't. We kind of want, instead of being friends with God, we want to be an acquaintance of his. That doesn't work, you see. And God determines what that is. And when you reset, now you, 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 sometimes God takes you back to your lowest point where he can start to build anew. And what we like to do is keep our files and things there and then get, let God fix the big stuff, and then we get to keep the stuff we want to see. And God said, no, no, no. No, no, no. You don't need those files. What you need is me. There you, go. That's it. you don't need these other things that you've put in there that you think are precious and important. Things like your own will. Right? Think like your own will, like your own opinions, like, right? Like what? Your own desires. You don't, you don't need those things. In fact, I want to change them. My son and I, my son Frank, I've got three sons, but this, Frank and I had this talk. He was studying in this scripture, and he was telling me that he realized that, can I share this? Do you mind? God, God does, he realized that God doesn't want to change who he is. He just wants to turn him into his man. See, God doesn't. God built you the way you are with certain things that, that, that are there. And you just have to, you know, people, we get this idea of what a pastor ought to be or what a layperson ought to be. Listen, personality is not it. But the fact of the matter is, your attitude about your personality is it. God wants to change that. We need pastors that will be soft and, you know, you know, people that they're just, oh, you know. We need pastors like that. But we need pastors that'll say, looky here. We need, we need all of them. We need, see, God builds us this way. And we look at disdain with the ones that are opposite of what we are, what we prefer. You, you, you cannot. Either you're called or you aren't. God calls all types. Because he calls all types of people. People who like a soft and cuddly pastor are not going to come here. It ain't my thing. But would you need me? And you need me to be soft, I'll love on you, I promise you. And I've done it with many of you. I, I, I'll do that. But, but I'm more, I'd rather tell you, this is what the Word of God says, what are you doing about it? Right? I, I, want, I want to take people at this level to the next level. I want you to get out of this spiritual mediocrity and go, go to this, this spiritual volcano, man, where you're just blowing constantly because God's filling you. And God keeps filling you, keep blowing, right? This is, this is how we do it. It's important to me to get people to the next level. See, that's, that's important. And so, again, God uses different people. But here's what happens. God wants to not only reset us and get rid of all the stuff that doesn't belong there, 
He needs us to refocus on the important things. So here's what's going to happen. Even if we let God reset us, we'll start looking for those things again to drag them in instead of looking up here. There you, go. you see? That's it. We'll start dragging those things in. God's, you know, and here's the thing. I had to uh, I put another machine together for myself because I had some problems and I, with mine, and I got sick and tired of fooling with it. Usually, computer builders build great machines for other people, and they have junk. That's, usually, that's, a, that's the case. But so I did that, and so what I started doing is, is trying to put all the programs that I had, in, and I thought, you, you haven't used those things in two years, so why do you put them on there for? Put the things on there that you need, and then when you need something else, put it on, but don't go, you know, maybe that's why you had problems in the first place. So I had to learn that. And God, you know, God's teaching me through different silly things like that, not only let me reset you, but I want you to focus here. I want you to focus on what you need that I'm going to tell you, not the things you think you need. And when you have problems in the church, and we've had a few here and there, okay, God says, get out of there, come out from them and be separate. I called you. Stop doing things that people that aren't focused here are doing. Get up here with me. Get up here with me, and I will teach you and do what needs to be done. Stop fooling around down here. Well, I have congregants doing it. That's fine. You stay up here and draw them to me. Stay up here. And when they do things or don't do things or they say things or then you know what? You let me work. You tell them what needs to be said. If they don't like it, that's too bad. Let me work on them. Let me do what needs to be done. You stay up here. Okay? And hopefully, if, if I'm in them, they'll eventually see it and come up there too. This is what we have. And so, friends, this is where I'm at here. I'm sick and tired of, you know, uh, running around in circles. I, I remember years ago... Uh, uh, I like the vacation movies. Uh, they're a little, you know. And he went to Europe, you know, Clark went to Europe, and he, he was on one of the roundabouts in, in London, and he was there all day and all night. He said, I cannot get left. He just kept going around and around and around. I feel like that sometimes. I feel like, you know, I hate roundabouts. Europe can keep them. I hate them. We don't need roundabouts at Terre Haute more than Amanda Moon. Now, maybe some places with lots of traffic do need it. We don't. Either way, they're in there, so you got to accept us. Here's the deal. But I'm not going to keep going round and round just because I can. Right? I might never get where I'm going. Okay? It'd be like, you know, I'm, you know, you live on, in North Terre Haute, and I'm going up Fruit Ridge, you know, and I, and I that roundabout there, right? You know, it's like you're, you're on the other side of that, and I'm supposed to be there a certain time, and, and you call me and say, where are you? Well, I'm still on the roundabout, and I'm enjoying it. I mean, I, right? So, but, but we do that with God. God's like, here, I'm up here, you know. What you doing on the roundabout, man? Well, get off the roundabout. Speak, Lord. And get up here. Speak, Lord. Speak. I'm resetting you. Now I want you to refocus. If you're focused, you're going to go where you're supposed to go. Not stay on the roundabout, man. Hallelujah. Get off the carousel. You know, I don't know any kid that likes to get on the carousel and never get off of it. The first year they get out, they think it's awesome. But the second year, they want something a little bigger than that, a little better than that. Does a few more things. Now, every parent likes to get on as cute and fun, you know, but we ain't going to stay there all day. But spiritually, we will. Why are we on the roundabout? Why are we on the carousel? God said, no, no. 
Uh, get off of that thing. Amen. Amen. God wants to refocus. Second Thessalonians chapter 3. Listen to this. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored, just as it was with you. And pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men. Or you could say people here, okay? For not everyone has faith. Amen to that. Right? Not everybody has faith, now do they? And I got news for you. There are some Christians out there whose faith isn't where it belongs. And you ought to stay away from them. Let God deal with them. Unless, you're, unless God has sent you to them to get them up here. You got to be strong to deal with people of lesser faith. You understand that? But the Lord is faithful, isn't he? And he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. And I, and I thought, you know, as I, I put this together, you know, a ways back, and as I, I'm looking, reading this, I'm like, you're trying to tell me something here, God, aren't you? Here I am complaining to you about the attacks of the evil one, and you're trying to tell me, I'm going to protect you from him, though. I didn't say he wasn't going to come. I said, I'm going to protect you. It's a quick crime. I mean, are you one of lesser faith here, or are you one of impeccable faith? Because if you're, if you're of lesser faith, you need to ask somebody else to preach on Sunday. That's a fact. Okay, Lord. I had to seriously consider that. Okay? And so here's something else. And some of you are thinking, huh, I wish you would have somebody else do it. But here's the deal. We have confidence in the Lord that you are doing and will continue, continue to do the things we command. And what God's teaching me here is that I have to have faith that even though sometimes you don't look like you're doing what God has commanded, you will be so part of him that you will recognize it and get on board here pretty soon and get off the roundabout. So I'm going to pray that you get off the carousel or the roundabout or whatever you're on and you listen to what's being said here today, and you go forward focused here. Focused here. And he says, may the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. We don't have a lot of perseverance these days, and he's trying to tell us we're going to need it. More on that in a second. And then he says, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers, to keep away from every brother or sister who is idle and does not live according to the teaching you receive. Now listen. Misery loves company, and people like what they like, and when we're dry, and we're not filled up, and Satan's in our ear, and other people are in our ear, meaning well, mind you, but they're there, okay, we start having these wrong ideas. Okay? Stay away from those people. There you go. That's right. Unless God sends you to them to make them aware of the situation and get them up here. Okay? Because here's what will happen. Here's what you'll do. You'll feel bad for them. Put your arm around them and say, yeah, I understand. I understand. And you have a right to feel that way. No, they don't. No, they don't. And you just cripple them by doing that. Remember last week? The devil will come around you, put your hand, his arm around you. Yeah, you have, you have a right to act that way. You know what? No, you don't. The devil will tell you that. Well-meaning Christians will tell you that, and they're both wrong. Come on. 
God says, you don't worry about other people. You worry about me. You keep your eyes right there. You look at me. Look at me. I remember one time a number of years ago, I was a brand new captain. First time I ever had command in my life. I was a warrant officer before that. Warrant officers don't command, but they're part, they're, they're kind of in between, they're kind of enlisted and kind of an officer. Nobody really knows what to do with them. But the fact of the matter is, I finally became a, a mainline officer as a captain, and, and I remember one time I told this first sergeant, no, it was a gunnery sergeant, to do something, and immediately, because it was something we'd never done before, he immediately looked over at the sergeant major and, for direction, and I said, don't look at him! Look at me. I'm your commander, not him. And he, he didn't know what to do with that. And I said, don't make me tell you that again. You know why I did that? You might think, well, that was mean. No, because if I didn't command his respect right there, he would keep looking at the sergeant major. That's right. Every time I gave a command. I can't lead, I can't lead a company like that. That's right. That's right. Like your leader or not, like, like, like him or not, they're your leader. <laughs> okay? Ask for a transfer then. But here's the deal. God is doing that with us. He's saying, stop looking at other people and look at me. I'm the commander. I'm the one in charge. I'm the one in control. Stop plugging into other places because you're going to get some wrong things there. If you're careful about what you download on your phone or your computer, you ought to be careful what you're downloading spiritually. Okay? Because viruses get in and you don't know it. You could have a virus on your phone or your computer for months or years and never know it until you open an EXE file that it's connected to and now all of a sudden everything goes haywire. That's exactly how ransomware works. And you know what? The devil's ransomware because he will hold you hostage. And you know what? Ransomware is so bad, the FBI can't crack it. You know, you know who can break ransomware spiritually? Only God. That's the only one that can do it. So stop looking to other places when your heart is being held ransom. Sometimes you don't even know it's, ran it's ransom. Get off the roundabout. Get off the carousel. Stop being dry and stop being ransomed because Christ has delivered you. All right. This is where you need to be. Now, I'll tell you something else. A number of years ago, I went to the eye doctor to get a new pair of glasses. And, uh, and so after the exam, it was clear that my prescription had changed. They hadn't for years, but all of a sudden it, it had changed. And I could see that he, he, he flipped some things back and forth. I thought, okay, that's cool. He said, here, this is the prescription you have now. And he clicked that little thing. He goes, and this is what I propose. I'm like, uh-uh. And when I got the new glasses, things were a lot clearer than I remembered them being from before. It's like I did this. Now, I can still wear those old glasses if I have to. They're better than nothing, you know. But, the, but things are clearer. They're more concise. I can see a little bit further. And I can actually see the features on your face versus just your face. And so, uh, and I thought, that's great. But see, I didn't, I didn't know I had an eye problem. I didn't know my prescription had changed. I, did, I thought that the, the way things are a little bit fuzzy, that was normal. I thought they were clear. Sometimes we're so spiritually dry that things are fuzzy and getting fuzzier, we don't know it. We don't even know that that's happening. And so uh, I, I found that I, I thought, well, you were just content seeing the way you did. When you don't know there's a problem, you're content with what you got. Even if you shouldn't be, you become content with what you've got. You see? And I think we do it spiritually quite often, actually. 
Now, Paul tells the Thessalonians that he is praying that the Lord would direct their hearts, which also means lead their hearts. And lead them and direct them to what? Well, into a deeper and stronger, more rooted relationship with God's love and the perseverance and endurance that Christ has. Because when you're out on the fringe and you're kind of things are kind of not in focus real well and you don't know it, when devil comes knocking, you will not have endurance nor perseverance. You'll right. give in and start listening to other people. Right. Right. And they're usually controlled by guess who? Okay? But when you're plugged in and focused here, now, now it doesn't matter what they think or say, now does it? Right. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Right? This is the difference. Direct means to refocus that which is blurred or not clear. Now, we Christians sometimes stray away from God in our heart. We grow weary of, of uh, doing the right things, yes. believe it or not. Yes. Or, and sometimes we grow weary of doing anything. Yes. And that's exactly where the devil wants us. Because now we start to have pity party for ourselves. Okay? And then we grow slack in our Christian duty. And I'm not talking about coming in here to church and, 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 and do, doing things here, like cleaning or, or, you know, or teaching or you know, playing on the team here or, uh, you know, or uh, serving this or that or doing food pantry. No, I'm not talking about that. You're slacking the duties that you ought to begin with before you go to those things. How about spending time in prayer? How about spending time in the Word of God? How about spending time in a Bible study? How about spending time in a small group? How about spending time with a strong Christian so that they fill you up and you can be better than you were when you went in there. Okay, see, these are the duties we're talking about here, friends. I, I'm just telling you the way it is, okay? I can do it with a frown or a smile on my face, but you take it either way. We have to, we have to understand that God's trying to get through to our noggins here. That's why he says, write it on your heart. I want to talk to you. I want to get a hold of you. I want to teach you how things really are. I stole that line out of uh, Shawshank Redemption. Anyway, that's what God wants to do. He says, I want to get a hold of that young man. I want to, I want to, I want to talk to him. I want to tell him the way things are. And God's like, yep, that's what, that's what I've been talking about this whole time. Now, notice that I said we grow in our weariness. You see, it's, it's, it, you didn't just get weary one day. It was a process over time. Something happened. A few things happened. You start getting a little bit weary. You bounce back a little bit. Then you get some more weary. And then before you know it, you start detaching from, from here. You start detaching from here. You start detaching from strong Christians. People are going to tell you straight. Okay. You get away from those things. And now, and now the weariness starts to just snowball. And before you know it, you're, you're, you're not, you're dry. That's what Ezekiel's talking about in the dry bones. That's what happened. Only God could give those bones life, you see. There's, there's all, Satan masquerades as angel of light. He'll come and tell you, well, I can, I can fill you up. Yeah, but with what? Sand. Dryness. It doesn't look like that at first, but that's what it becomes. God's the only thing, friends, and he proved it time and again in the Bible, that can actually give you life. It's the only one that can give you the living water when you thirst. It's the only thing that can wet your dryness. Do you understand that? Stop looking at other places. Get off the carousel. Get off the roundabout. You're, 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 all you're doing is pushing sand. That's all you're doing. God says, I've got more. If, if, if you drink my water, you'll never be thirsty again. Well, shouldn't we want it? 
It, you see, it, this, this, it's a process. It doesn't just happen all of a sudden. In other words, we grow, but we're going in the wrong direction, you know. You, 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 and sometimes you know you're doing it, but you just justify it. Sometimes you don't know it. Sometimes you're not sure what to think. And so you just kind of exist. And devil's like, that, I'll, I'll accept that. Just exist. I'd rather you're dry, but exist. That's fine. But he sure doesn't want you thirsting for God, does he? He certainly doesn't want you hanging out with God, filling up from the river of life, does he? He doesn't want you at the spring. And he'll make you think that the spring's right up there. So keep going this direction. Then get there, it's not there. It was a mirage, you know. That happens in the desert all the time. And the devil does it spiritually, you see. And you see what happens, like, just like my vision with the old glasses, you might not even realize it's happening because we're so used to the way we're seeing things in the present. And it seems normal. And God's like, yeah, but that's not the way things ought to be, you see. And if you don't spend time with me, then you'll never get that. There you go. And so you'll be content to stay where you're at. And when, and when you stay where you're at, you ain't going to stay there either. You're going to regress. You always do. <laughs> and so the same types of things happened to the Thessalonians at Thessalonica, and Paul prayed for them to get refocused. And God's message to us this morning is that we get refocused as well, right along with them. It is and has been your pastor's prayer, friends, for quite some time now. That God has directed me to refer all of us back to the church at Thessalonica for some seriously critical thinking and pondering. All right, all right. Some similarities that we need to realize and then change some things that need to be changed. You see, God will then make us aware of some issues within the church as well as our own individual lives that He wants to take care of, you see. And then he'll help us to refocus with answers to prayer. The reset's already done, see. Now we've got to refocus so that he can rebuild us. He wants to put the op system back on his way. Oh, yes. He wants, he wants our modus operandi for you Latin people to go in the direction he wants it to go, not our way. Am I right, Pastor Bob? Isn't that what it means? Okay? This is what, this is what we need to do, see, friend. This is, what he, this is what he's asking for. And so when this happens, now we'll refocus and we'll start seeing answers to our prayers. Because when you're not refocused and you're dry, you'll pray and you'll notice that God doesn't seem to answer your prayers. But you know, you know why God doesn't see? He's answered them. It's usually no. Or you're wrong. Or stop it. Or get off the carousel. Get off the roundabout. But we don't hear that, you know. Because we like it here. And if God tries to tell you anything, are you going to listen? No. I know that because I've done it, okay? And he'll bring people to you that, you that you have revered and know they're strong in their Christianity, and they'll tell you this, and all you want to do is argue with them. Come on, yeah, come or you don't want, or, or, the hand. <laughs> I, I, I know what's, I, I, I know what's up, I'm good. I've done that. I've done it. I have, I'm telling you. Now, don't go thinking you can just come in here and get me to do whatever you want. But if, you, if, if I'm spiritually dry, you have responsibility. Come talk to me about it so I can get right. That's right. And the same is true with me and you and others. Yeah? See, this is, this is what we need to do. 
And we're going to have to be completely in tune with God and completely in tune with His love for us to hold up under this process because we don't like the process of change. Well, mm-hmm. If God wants to change your attitude, your personality, mm-hmm. your outlook, uh-huh. even your modus operandi, what you're used to doing, you know, well, it's painful. Yes. It's always been painful. You know, it's difficult for me. You know, I, I, I know darn well I should not go to uh, Starbucks and get, you know, uh, their, their mocha coffee, even in decaf, because it always gives me heartburn. Right. So you know what, what, what dummy me did? Well, maybe, maybe the, caf- the, the, the caffeine is a little bit different over at Ginger Snaps. I'll get theirs instead. Brilliant. Jollies, you know, so what, what are we doing here? But that's what we do spiritually, isn't it? That's, right. that's what we do spiritually, that's right. you know. Yep. We don't like the changes. It's difficult for me to drive past a Starbucks. It's difficult for me to drive past Ginger Snap. It is. But God says, you know you're going to get sick from it. You know, it's just the way things are. So why, why just drive on past? You don't need it. You really don't. You want it, but you don't need it. You know, it might not be bad, but it's going to make you sick. You know, yeah, if you want to get sick for a couple days, heartburn, sure, go. You know, and, and sometimes, okay, all right. And I go. We all, we've all done it. You know, you, you, can, you, can, you can load it with anything you want, but that's the way it is, you know. Okay? And so I began to think about that more and more and more, and I thought, okay, if we're going to have the perseverance and endurance of Jesus, uh, when we go through this, friends, and we know what he went through, right? We're going to have to be focused here. Because right now, the church universal with COVID and the election and, and the hatred out there, we don't have much endurance. We, we, don't, we don't have much. And every church is kind of sort of doing their own thing. Just like in Scripture, where every person just kind of did what he thought was right. That's dangerous. You know? And when churches do... See, we're supposed to be united together under the same God, the same Spirit, the same Word. Okay? This is what we're supposed to be. And this is why the church is failing humanity right now. So what did God, through Paul, tell the Thessalonians that they needed to do? Well, the answer is so simple, you might not actually believe it. We always think... It has to be so complicated. And sometimes it's not complicated at all. It's just a matter of surrender, you know. And then perseverance to do what God's asked you to do, even when you don't like it. I, I, I'll be honest with you. I got up at what? I don't know, 6.15 today, babe, something like that. I didn't want to. I really didn't. I didn't because I knew I had to cancel Sunday school, and I did, like it or not, because I couldn't get people in the building safely. Okay. So, you know, and I knew people wouldn't understand to be angry about it, mad about it. Some people, because they can't have church unless they go and have Sunday school and get a cup of coffee before they come here. That's false, you know, but that's what they think. Right? right. right? And I also knew that if I cancel Sunday school, some people, well, when I have Sunday school, I won't go to church either. I knew that. Mm-hmm. I think that probably happened. I don't know. Yeah. But see, I hate canceling anything. I don't, you know, and we're going to have, you know, Bible Story Cafe in here tonight. All right, man. But next week, I'm pretty sure... The weather's getting warm enough, we can get in there, okay, and we're good. And I'm like, I'm going to see a victory. Because, right? That's right. See, this is, this is it. But God's plan is very simple. 
And Paul embellishes it in this way. First of all, we have to refocus our love for God. Because I'm not sure we really love God. We say we do because we're, we're supposed to. And maybe we do, but we're not sure what love really is sometimes. Even if we won't admit it. You see, Christians should love God above all else. Do we? Do you? And if you believe that you do, and I think everybody here would say, yep. If I went down the line and said, do you love God? Yep. Everybody without a question would say, yep. And, God, and God's going to come to you and say, do you? He asked Peter three times and made him indignant. Indignant. He said, you know I do. And Jesus knew exactly within a few hours what he was going to do. He knew he was going to do. But Peter was sure he loved him. He was, but he, but he, he loved him so much that he denied him. Now, I'm glad that Peter denied the Christ because it made Peter into the person in first and second Peter epistles that we read. Big difference, you see. But he learned from his mistakes and his problems. And if you believe that you love God, what does love for God actually look like? I mean, we got to ask the question. Deuteronomy 6, 5 commands this kind of love to us. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And we're like, yep, I do that. And God's like, really? Do you know what that means? You see, if we don't really know what it looks like to love one another in a human way, how could we possibly love God that way? Well, come on now. How, how could you? That's right. Do you realize that the requirements are to love God in exactly the way he said? With all your heart, all your mind, and all your strength? Come on now. Does he really mean that? Yeah, I think he does. <laughs> Which is why it's there. You see, you see, our actions typically prove that we really don't. Come on, and so Jesus called love the first and the greatest commandment. Have you noticed that? Yeah. Matthew 22, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Kind of sounds a little bit like Deuteronomy, doesn't it? Because it, does. it is. <laughs> He's repeating it because Jesus knew. And then he says this, this is the first and the greatest commandment. He just made it more important than every other command in the entire scripture. Because he knows if you don't love God that way, you can't do the rest of them. Not possible. You won't. See, this is the key. It's the first and greatest commandment. And our actions don't show that we love God this way. Henceforth, the differences in our churches. Henceforth, the differences in our own congregations. We want to be right. We want to have the wrong attitudes. Because it's what we want. And we're, by golly, going to dig in and hang on and do like this here, and that's it. And then we're going to go find somebody, and they're going to say, yeah, you know. And the devil's like, yeah, yeah, it's all right, bless your heart. And God's like, get off the roundabout. Get up here, I've got living water for you, and that stuff's not going to matter anymore. It doesn't matter if you're right or not. Sometimes you have to allow the person of lesser faith that he's talking about to get their way. Sometimes you do. Okay? Because they don't understand. Is it going to kill you to do that? Probably not. This is the point. Okay? There are people with lesser faith here. And those that act this way have lesser faith. And it could be that they're just in a dry place right now. Okay? It could be they never had it. But whatever it is, God knows. You see. 
And if our actions show that we don't love God this way, then what does that actually mean? It means we're disobedient. But you wouldn't think you're disobedient. You'd, you'd convince yourself that you're not. But of course it means you're disobedient. And then you think, well, now what? Well, you see the process? This is what I'm talking about. This is how the devil holds you ransom. He will convince you that you're right and you're justified, and he holds you ransom by not letting God come in and get rid of all that stuff anyway. He's holding you around, and you don't even, and you're enjoying it because you feel right. You see, Christians, friends, sometimes fall out of love with God, and sometimes we never really loved him anyway. I, I have to say it because, you know, I, 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 this broke my heart because I'm like, oh, God, that's right. I literally teared up. I had to stop working on the message. I had to come over here and sit where I sit right there. And, and I, you know, it was kind of chilly in here, so I scooted over closer until the sun hit me. And, you know, and when, when that happened, I felt like, you know, there's a picture of Jesus, uh, and, and uh, he's praying, and then there's this light that's on him. Because right. the Father, and I felt like that at that moment. And God says, I know you don't want to believe this, but it's true. There's Christians that never really love me. That's right. you know. I'm not going to tell you who they are. It doesn't matter. You know. You know. You know. But there are some. And it's possible you have some. Because they don't know what love really is. They love self too much. They love themselves too much. See, see, this, this is, this is, and this is a struggle that I had, friends, so I, I'm familiar with it. See, I couldn't, I couldn't really love God the way God demands that I love him because I love myself too much. Don't tell me you've never been there. And sometimes you kind of take some of that love back for yourself. You ever notice that? When you want to protect yourself, you'll do that. You'll take some, right, right, right. That's a, that's a sermon for another day. But you sort of take some of that love, right? It's, it's protection. You don't mean to, but you do it. And that, that's, that's a psychology. Of, we got to talk about that someday. Jesus says that no person can serve two masters in Matthew 6. You see, the world steals our affection for him. The world will steal your affection for God. He says either you'll hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and whatever. The Bible says money, but it could be anything. Right? Anything that gets our attention. Luke 8, 14, the seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked by life's worries, riches, pleasures, and they never mature. We're so self-centered, and we want our way, own way so much that we allow the world to steal it. More than that, we put our children and other loved ones above God. Don't tell me we haven't. Come on now. I've had people sit across from me, uh, mostly women, uh, sometimes men, because men will never admit it. But women will admit it, and they'll say, what am I supposed to do? I, I, can't, I can't love God more than my children. Yes, you can. Because you can't love your child the way you, it needs to be loved if you don't love God first. But you, people will never understand that. The world will never understand that. Why can't Christians understand it then? Because we don't want to. I've had people from mixed families come in, and they're having marital problems. Things were great at first, and now seven, eight years down the road, now we got problems. And, well, she puts the kids before me, or he puts the kids before me. Well, my kids got to come first. They've been through a lot. That's, I'm sorry, man, but that's wrong. God first. Your husband second. Okay? Then your kids, then you. 
And you just, you, and then their, their eyes go like this. They're like, I, I, I can't do that. Then, you, then you're not a Christian. Because that's what God demands. Isn't that what God demands, church? Mixed family or no? That spouse comes before your kids no matter what they've been through. It's that way in every family. Do you understand that? That's the way it is. Because that's what God says. And the devil says, well, there's extending away circumstances. And God says, so what? I can fix that too. In the order that I put it, I can do it. Do you know, I know we put our children and other loved ones above God because it shows in our schedules. It shows in your schedules. Get them out. I'll prove it to you right now. Get out your schedule. You, you know what? The devil wants you to stay so busy that there's no time for God. Every single one of us in here has struggled with that. I still do it sometimes. God, you know, he, he's knocking on my door. He's trying to get my attention. And, and, and I, I got, I'm, I'm here. And I want to fix all these things. And, and they're, and they're, but the problem with it is I'm trying to do it in my own strength, in my own timing. And my wife told me the other day, sometimes you just got to back out of that. you got to let God fill you up and let him direct you. And why don't I know that as a pastor sometimes? Because I'm human. And what does the devil want me? He knows he can't convince me not to be a pastor. He knows he can't convince me not to be a Christian. He knows he can't convince me not to spend time in the Word or do the, or the, all the good things I need to do. But what he will do is try to get me so busy that I don't see how I'm doing it. Okay? This is, this is his poor. He's, remember last week? He's subtle. He's sneaky. He can't get you those other ways. He couldn't get our nation any other way than using a pandemic and hysteria. That's how he kept people out of church. I'm not saying we should be, listen, I'm not saying we should be unsafe. Don't hear me say that. I'm just telling you, I know where it came from. I know where it came from. Every pastor out there is saying it. Every pastor that is a pastor, worth anything, is saying it. We know. So we're going to have to embrace what God gives us and make it work. Amen? Now look. I want you to think about your schedules. <laughs> you tell me where your heart is. The devil also undermines your love. 1 Peter 5, 8, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. This one, friends, is so easy to see. Satan does everything he can to redirect our love toward self, toward others, and whatever. All right now. That's right. We just talked about that, didn't we? I'm just showing you how. Okay. Actually, he would redirect your love toward anything to keep it away from God. <laughs> right? Write that down. Write that down. Jonathan, that's, that's, that's another one. John, if you're listening, listen. The devil will redirect your love toward anything so long as it's not on God. <laughs> My words, sure, but it's true, isn't it? He'll do it. I know. I've, I've seen it. He's done it. I've watched it. I've experienced it. Why will he do this? Because he knows that the love for anything outside of God is actually love for him. <laughs> Man, nobody wants to go down that road today. He knows that if he can redirect your love for anything besides God, that's actually love for Satan. Mm -hmm. 
That's actually enough for him and his kingdom. That's what it is. Because everything else is attached to him. He's the ruler of this world, isn't he? And everything in it, agreed. So if you're loving anything in the world more than God, who's the love directed toward? The ruler of this age, ruler of this world. And that's his plan, you see. Now, we may not agree with that, but most of the time we don't even know it. But I'm telling you, it's fact. And this is what I tell people. Listen, you may not like it. You're, some people are going, okay. Then all I want you to do, don't, don't disagree with it. Get in here. Then read. Don't, don't get angry at me. Don't, don't say, I've never heard that before. You probably haven't. That doesn't mean it isn't true. I want you to get in the Word, and if you can refute it biblically, okay, then, then call me up. Let's have, let's have a talk. Because I, 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 I don't think you can. Uh, I, you know, I'm, I know you can't. Because if we're honest with ourselves, now see, we'll convince ourselves of anything. Come on now, come on now. You know, but if we're going to let God convince us, uh, 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 that, that's a pretty hard one to convince. You see. We fail to nourish the love that we have for God sometimes, too. We might actually love God, but we don't do anything with it. You, you know, any love relationship you're in, if you don't nourish it, it'll fail. Won't it? I can't tell you how many couples have sat in my office. Now, dear, you know I love you. I gave you this, and I did this. I don't want that. I want you. It's, gone, it's both ways. I've seen it, husband and wife. Oh, yeah. I've seen it. See, this isn't, this isn't brand new. Jesus told Peter, do you love me? Yes, sir. Keep my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Now, didn't I just tell you, God, that I did? Keep my sheep. I know. And what does Jesus do? Peter. Gets indignant. God, you know I love you. Keep my lambs. Apparently he wasn't. He thought he was. You see, this is, this is, we think in our love relationships with people, but we do things for them that we like to do, not what they wanted us to do. And I'm going to tell you something, friends. I, that's the breakdown of communication with couples. But, I'm, but I'll go this, don't we do that with God? Don't we do things that we like to do for God and not what he's asked us to do? All right, now, that's it. <laughs> when God says, I need to keep your mouth shut, well, we don't want to do that. <laughs> I want you to just submit to authority. We don't want to do that. I want you to let some other person, because they're a weaker brother than you, let them have their way this time. Well, we certainly don't want to do that. Listen. There's a lot of things we don't want to do. But are we feeding the sheep and the lambs? No, we're not. We're feeding ourselves. And we're redirecting our love toward Satan because Satan wants that. You see? You see how the process works? People say, oh, you're making this too complicated. It's not complicated. It's just the way things are. But your mind doesn't want to believe it. You know, sometimes we never really fell in love with God in the first place. We never really did. You know, you know what we fell in love with? What we thought he could do for us. Oh, man. Woo! I don't want to say that. Sometimes we're, we're in love with what God's going to do for us in eternity. 
you know, or in our protection in life or whatever it is. But we never really fell in love with him. See, it happens in life, too, with people. But it's dangerous when it happens to God, you see. And here's another question, sermon for another day. Are we really a Christian then? Probably not. But we think we are, and the devil tells you you are. Would you rather believe the devil that you're a Christian, or would you rather believe God that you're a Christian? If God says you're not, then you aren't. And if you're not doing the things that he demands, then you're not. If your love isn't directed toward him and only him, then you're not. Because if it was, these are the things you would do, and these are the things you would not do. It's, it's that simple. But, and and who, wants, who wants to complicate it? Does God want to complicate that? <laughs> Satan does. He wants to confuse, complicate, and redirect your love to something else. And it ultimately comes back to him no matter what it is outside of God. It ultimately comes back to him. He's happy with that. He may not have a lot of people that love him and serve him and worship him. But he has an awful lot of people that do it indirectly and don't know they're doing it. All He's right. just as happy. That's right. That's right. You hear me? Amen. That's, I, I'm telling you. Christians need to be directed back toward loving God. And the question is, what does that actually look like? Well, friends, I know what it looks like. I can tell you what it looks like. I can tell you what it looks like in your life. But chances are, if I made an appointment and got, went, had Jessica call up everybody in this church, I want you to come in and sit down and talk with the pastor for 20 minutes. Some people are going to make an excuse again and again why they can't do it. You know why? You know why. Hey, don't choose me. Use someone else. Pick somebody in this church that you know is plugged into God, his eyes are focused there, and they love God with all their heart, mind, and strength like Jesus commanded we do. Now, call them up and sit down with them for 20 minutes. All right now. You see, friends, you won't when you don't want to hear the answer. And you ought to talk yourself out of it when you know there's something wrong. That's a fact. That's, that's how we operate. So what does loving God with your whole heart, your soul, and your strength mean? What does it look like? So my question is, what do you actually think it means? What do you think it means? What does it look like in your life? Okay? You ought to write that down. You ought to, you ought to tell your, you ought to do, do, an exact, you know, do an evaluation of yourself and say, okay, this is what loving God is, and this is what it looks like in my life, and write them down. And then... Turn that thing over and say, no, God, no, what do you think it means? What does it look like to you? I'll bet you, if you're fair, it'll look a whole lot different than the other side. Okay? You know how I know it? You guessed it. I've done it. And it's painful, but it's also very enlightening. But you've got to be honest or it doesn't work, you see. So here's my question. What does your love for God look like now? <laughs> Right? Fair question. Now, I, hey, you, you don't have to answer me. Answer him. Because he wants to know. Secondly, not only do we have to refocus our love for God, we have to refocus our waiting, our patience, our perseverance, and our endurance. All right. All right. Friends, if you're a Christian, you're going to wait. <laughs> if you're a Christian, you're going to have to have some endurance here. Okay? And if you're a Christian, you better believe you're going to have to have some patience, maybe more than Job had. Okay? And you're going to have to have some 
perseverance here. You got to stand, stand tall with this stuff. But we, we, we'd rather give in than stand because it's easier. And the devil is more than willing to lay off the pressure if you'll back off your perseverance. He'll let you feel a little bit of victory. And instead of the victory coming from what we sang today in him, you'll see a lull in the attacks and it seems like a victory. Can't tell you how many wars have been lost because somebody thought they had the enemy on licked and on the run. Happened in Japan when they had a civil war. There's a, a, a movie called The Last Samurai that's loosely based upon that. Okay? And that army with all the cannons and the guns and the Gatlin guns and, the, and all the things that they had nearly got beaten with a, with a bunch of guys with no armor and some swords because they went back and regrouped. Now, the battle's not exactly the way it happened in the movie, but that has happened. Every battle commander knows <laughs> you... The, the attack might have stopped, but you need to regroup and refocus because they could come at any time, and they do. They do. And they're going to go, and, and listen, uh, General Hal Moore, who was an Army general, he was a light colonel at the time, uh, there's a movie on him, on his life, and a book on his life. And he had one of, the, one of the most terrible, most bloodiest, most horrific battles in Vietnam in the history of the United States. Right, and if Hal Moore hadn't been the commander that day, he probably would have lost. I'm dead serious when I tell you that. He constantly, he has studied his enemy, he has studied the terrain nonstop for months before he even went to Vietnam. And he knew every single place that they could hit. And he knew, you know why? Because he said, if I was that commander, I know where I'd hit. I know where I'd go. And he, 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 he reinforced every time at just the right time. And he, he was outnumbered 30 to 1. More than that. He had... I don't know, 100 and some soldiers, and the guy had 300,000. That's insane at his disposal. That's a lot, that's a big difference. And ended up winning the battle. Broke through their lines and got to their command post. You know, you can say we had superior, yeah, he did. But that's not the point. He could have lost the battle well before that ever came. Because you know what? We're not focused on where the battle's going to come from. We're not focused on, on who, who's, who's bringing the battle. We're not focused on these things. And there are three types of patience that the Scripture talks about. You've got to be patient. You've got to wait for, the, for, for it to come sometimes. Sometimes God wants you to attack, and sometimes He wants you to stand back and wait. And you've got to know which it is. But there's a laboring patience. Romans tells us to those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, immortality, He's going to give them eternal life. So we have to work and wait on God and not worry about the results and outcome. God might not tell you. But every time we think we're going to serve God, we want to know what the outcome is going to be, what we're going to have to go through to do it. We want to know all that. And God says, can't you just serve me? I joined the Marine Corps. Not having any idea where I was going to be posted or stationed. Sometimes I had a little say-so in it. Most time I didn't. But I went anyway. You know, why as a Christian can't we do that? Just be willing to serve. I was willing to serve my country wherever they sent me. I mean, I liked it, but I did it. But as Christians, we want to tell God, oh, I don't know. Maybe, I don't know if you, if, maybe if it would be like this, God, I'd do it. Or maybe, you know, that's how we operate. Luke says, Jesus said in Luke 8, 8, but the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, 
and by persevering, produce a good crop. We have a <coughs> another kind of patience. It's called suffering patience, and we don't like this one. Anybody like to patiently suffer? <laughs> Not me. Okay, I don't like to patiently suffer. Galatians 6, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. And here's Job. He replied, you're talking like a foolish woman. <laughs> Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? In all this, Job didn't sin by what he said. You know, I, I think that's exactly right. We want all the, again, we, it proves that we ne we're never really in love with God. We're in love with what he could do for us. Because if we're in love with him, we'll accept the trouble as well as the good, right? But if we're not in love with God, we'll be angry, and we'll stomp our feet and scoff it, and we'll listen to the people and justify our actions and all the things we do. Come on, this is, you know, again, repeating record, you know, I, those of you who know it, vinyl, right? You, you, you've seen it when it keeps playing the same thing over and over and over again. I had an eight-track tape and did that one time, right? It just kept playing the same, right? We call it broken record. But, we're, but friends, we can stop it. you got to lift the needle. you got to pull the tape out. you got to. But you know what we're doing? But no, we're going to stay right on that roundabout. Stay right on that carousel. Because by golly, we're justified in that. Tell me we don't do that. Then there's this waiting patience. Hebrews 6.12, we don't want you to become lazy. <laughs> what? Christians are lazy? So Paul says, well, the writer says, <laughs> can't blame Paul for it. He says we're lazy, but we're supposed to imitate those who, who through faith and patience inherit what's been promised. In other words, if you don't love God, really love God, you can't do this, and you're not going to inherit what he's promised. If you, if you love God for what he can do for you, you're not going to inherit what he promised. Because the greatest command is what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. You're not doing that if you love what he can do for you. You're not going to gain what he promised. Romans 8.25, Paul says, but if we hope for what we do not have, then we ought to wait for it patiently. All right. You see, friends, waiting patiently is the duty of the true Christian. The true Christian. You know, you, you, you're a Christian long enough, People, people in this facility, people in the church are going to upset you. They're going to make you mad. Mm -hmm. They're going to get on your last nerve. You're going to get to the point you don't even like them. Mm -hmm. I promise you that. That's true. That's true. And you know what? Maybe in the devil's world, maybe in the human world, you're justified to go give them a piece of your mind. But some of you don't have your mind to give. <laughs> you know why? I don't mean that in the wrong way. Because the mind you'll give will be the wrong one. I promise you. It'll be the wrong one. Your attitude and heart ain't right. You shouldn't be giving them anything. See, you need to wait on God to fix it. Because he, he's only going to use those who have the right heart. Now, they may not accept what, they, what they're given, but he's, they're the ones he's going to use. You see, we have to surrender to God's timetable. My guess is most of us in here have not really surrendered to God's timetable. You know how I know it? Because all of us, no, Christ is going to return, but we hope it didn't today. Boy, that hurt, didn't it? Because I have all these other plans, God, so could you just delay it for a little bit so I can do that? That tells me we don't really love God. You know why? Because 
if God comes today and you really love God, th- th- what, what you were going to do here was nothing. Zero. Nada. You know? But that tells you where your head is, see? And where your head is, where your heart's at, see? And, and, and again, who knows that? Satan's like, yep. I'll, if I can get your heart and mind and your love redirected toward anything but God, it's directed toward me. You, you see? It's, this, this is so easy. It's so simple. God's timetable is the one that's important, not just his return, the way things work. I'm, I'm the fixer. When somebody screws up or does something wrong or somebody, you know, I want to go handle it right now. And, and, and I, that's how, that's, I'm a Marine commander. That's what we do. And God says, uh, I need you to delay. I need you to hold back. Let me work on it for a while because they're not going to listen to you. And plus, your heart didn't write anyhow. So let, let me do it. And some people say, well, that's passiveness. You're a procrastinator. And the devil's like trying to get people to put that bug in your ear so you'll go do it, see? Because the devil wants you to go do it so you'll destroy a relationship. Okay? He, he, he's, he's good at that. And that person now will no longer focus on God. Even if they were trying to, they're going to focus on what you did. And now, see, now we got that's all we're going to see. Do you understand what I'm saying here? It's in God's timetable, His timing, not yours, never has been. So you better let him in your ear. We have to be rather subordinate. And we're not. Because you know what happens? We are insubordinate when we're impatient. We're insubordinate. We're disobedient when we're impatient. Exodus 32.1, when the people saw that Moses was so long and coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who go before us. And for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what's happened to him. You see how it was that fast? God just opened the sea for him, for goodness sake. If that isn't God, who was it? And see how fast they were to abandon it? Like that. Well, we wouldn't do that, really. Anytime your love is redirected from God himself to anything else, husband, wife, children, job, money, house, whatever it is, it's directed towards Satan. You abandon God like that. You understand? Okay. Well, you're too harsh. No, it's not me. It's not that simple. It's incredibly that simple. Psalm 37 7 says we have to wait on the Lord. We must wait on the Lord. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their own wicked schemes. You see, it may seem like the world's winning. Because right now it kind of is. It may seem like the devil's winning, and he is. But you know the saying, every dog has his day. But the Bible says that this dog knows his days are short. Okay? He knows his days are short. So what is he doing? He's, you, he's in, in a flurry to try to get more people to his side and his cause, redirecting Christian love from God to anything else which is love for him. Do you understand that? How many times do I have to tell you this? It's so subtle and so simple and so sneaky, and you don't know what's happening. Remember the blurriness. You see, it's, it's easy to happen. And now it becomes what you do every day and it's commonplace. And, oh, you know, I'm still Christian. I still listen to Christian radio. I go to church. I'm serious, friends. But where's your heart? 
Who do you love? Does your actions prove it? Does your life show it? Are you willing to sit down with me or somebody else so we can tell you? See? That'll tell who you love or not. It will tell. You see, modern Christians seldom wait patiently. We want everything right now. I'm one of the worst ones there is when it comes to the road and driving. My wife will tell you that. Everybody ought to drive like me. George Carlin had it right. They're certainly not going my speed. <laughs> right? I know it's wrong. I need, I, I, God's got to fix it because I can't. You know? I get impatient in a restaurant. If I don't get service right away, I get, I get impatient. I do. I'll smile. But I'm impatient. When they come to the table, can I get you some drinks? I'm ready to order. You can bring their drinks after you take my order. Does that sound familiar to you? Don't tell me you never did it. Okay. Now, there, that's, is there an excuse for poor service? There's not. But what are you going to do about it? And the next time I'm in a restaurant and this happens, I need to rethink this. Okay, listen, friends. All, all I'm saying is modern Christians... We don't wait patiently. Now, if you're in a drive-thru and it's not moving, okay, so Paul, I go to a different restaurant. That's fine. Maybe you need to. Maybe you really don't have time. I get that. But you can't do that in your spirituality. You, you, you can't. You can't just pull out and do something else. Okay? All right, now. Because here's what happens. We start taking matters into our own hands. I touched on this briefly a minute ago. First Samuel uh, chapter 13, verses 8 to 13, he waited seven days. And by the, time, the set time by Samuel, but Samuel did not come down from Gilgal. And Saul's men began to scatter. So he said, bring me the burnt offering and the fellowship offerings. And Saul offered up the burnt offering. Just as he finished making the offering, Samuel arrived, and Saul went out to meet him. And Samuel said, what have you done? And Saul replied, when I saw that the men were scattering and that you didn't come down at the set time and the Philistines were assembling at Michmash, I thought, now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal and I haven't sought the Lord's favor. <clears throat> so I felt compelled to offer you the burnt offering. And Samuel says, well, you acted foolishly. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. And the other side of that is, so as it is, he hasn't. And does, did Saul lose the kingdom? Sure did. To somebody who nobody will have chosen to be king. The least of the least. Now listen, friends, we forsake our Christian duties and our Christian work. You know why? Because everything else is so much more important than it is. But here's what I'm going to tell you today. There is nothing in your life, no person, no task, no duty. That will last beyond this world. It has eternal consequences. Not one. So whatever you spend your time doing isn't going to get you to heaven. And it certainly isn't going to go with you. Do you understand that? So what are we doing? Christians, friends, today are being directed back to patience. We're being directed back to perseverance. We're getting directed back to endurance. You know why? Because we've been reset, and now God wants us to refocus. Okay? And so, so as I close this thing up, and our worship team comes, this is why. 
One, because we're absolutely going to need it. Did you hear me? God is redirecting us back to patience, perseverance, endurance, because we're going to need it. We're going to need it more than we ever have before. And if I'm right about what's going to happen in the near future, we're desperately going to need it. You understand? Because Satan continues to get more powerful until the day he's removed. He will, he will be more powerful up to the very end of the day he's locked in the abyss. Do you understand that? For a thousand years. Okay. Then he's going to be turned loose for a little bit with all of the demons that rebelled with him. Okay. All of them are going to come out this time. All of them. And Jesus said it's going to be a time that's never been before and never be again. The ability will run rampant. There is no Holy Spirit here to hold it back. And every single demon is going to be out against humankind. And the devil has been locked up for a thousand years. You tell me what's on his agenda. Okay? He knows his time is short. And what does he want to do? Draw as many as he can to go with him, you see. Just like he did at the first rebellion. But praise God, two-thirds of the angels were loyal to God and didn't. And praise his name that there are people in the world today that will not go with Satan. There's people in the church that won't go with Satan. We're going to stay focused here. We're going to love God with all our heart, soul, and mind. We're going to know that we're on the roundabout and get off of it. We're going to know we're on the carousel and get off of it. We're going to keep our eyes focused here. And we're going to be around the church people, the people that are strong, the people who are focused and plugged in here. Not the ones that will tell us what we want to hear, put their arm around us, say, bless your heart, and give us a crutch. Not those. We're going to stick with the ones that are strong spiritually, whether we like to hear what they have to say or not. That's what we're going to do. Paul prayed, friends, that the Thessalonians would do something. And I'm praying that we'll do the same, that we patiently wait for the coming of Christ. For he is going to come, you know, pretty soon. In the meantime, there's work to do. So where are we as a church? Where are we as individuals? Together with God's help, we're going to have a great ministry, and we're going to enjoy every minute of it. I want to begin refocusing today. You know why? Because we're dry, and we're thirsty, and God is here. Stand with me today. I, again, just like last week, I don't know what's keeping you in the pew, friends. I don't. But you don't belong there. I know where you belong, and so do you. If you need to get out of your pew, if you need to drop your mic, your instrument, if you need to uh, go, somebody, go get somebody next door, we need to be praying here. We need, we, right? Whatever else we're doing is not important. If, if every person stops on the work team stops and comes here, that's okay. But you know why? Because that's not important. This is. This is important. We serve. A Christ that lives. And whether he lives in you or not is up to you. Amen? Let's seek him. Thanks for listening to the Free Life Community Church Podcast. For more great biblically sound teaching, visit freelifecc.com.